0: Thanks, Chris. Uh, Good morning, everybody. Welcome. And uh, if you're a member or have been a regular uh, attender at First City, I want to welcome you. And if you're just uh, tuning in and you're not a member or are kind of checking out First City, I want to welcome you. Uh, Like Chris said, my name is Kyle Osborne, and uh, we're going to jump into God's Word. Uh, The Bible tells us in, in Timothy that uh, it's the, the God's Word is helpful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in all ways of righteousness. And so I'm, I'm excited to jump in. So if you would turn with me to John chapter 13, John chapter 13, what we're going to do is we're going to dive in. And while you're doing that, I want to give you a little context of John chapter 13. So in this season, today is actually Palm Sunday. It's a Sunday that Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. Uh, there's two groups of people primarily. Uh, that There's a group of people that were excited about Jesus. They were celebrating. Uh, they were celebrating, obviously, for the Passover, but they were also celebrating that Jesus was riding in, and he was supposed to bring in a new kingdom, um, and a new plan for rule and reign, and so there was people celebrating palm branches, cloaks, and coats on the ground, and there was lots of celebration. The other group of people uh, that were that were a part of this mix uh, in Jerusalem were the people that wanted to kill Jesus. A lot of Pharisees were getting together. They didn't like the teachings that Jesus was doing. And so they got together and they were conspiring to kill him. And so during this time, Jesus is spending a lot of his time with his disciples. Uh, He's healing people. He's doing miracles. He's teaching about the kingdom of God. And so he spends this time with his disciples. And so this Sunday morning is actually a representation of Palm Sunday way back with the Jews we celebrating. And then this text in John chapter 13 is actually falls into place on Thursday. So this Thursday, as Jesus is spending his time with his disciples, the next day would be Good Friday, the day that Jesus would be beaten and put on a cross. And then obviously the Sunday after, so a week from today would be Easter Sunday, a Resurrection Sunday. And so this is the week that we find ourselves in. And so as the, as the disciples are gathering with Jesus in an upper room, uh, Jesus actually gives them a, a pretty vivid picture of what it looks like to be a part of his kingdom. And so in John chapter 13, what we find is Jesus actually stoops down and becomes a servant to not only his disciples, but to us today. And so as we jump into uh, John 13, I want to lay out six threads of christian service so in the same way that jesus will find in verse six that jesus takes off his cloak and washes his disciples feet we find that jesus um, is serving them by washing their feet and so i want to call these the threads of christian service the same way that a a towel is knit together or woven together um, is is the same way that jesus is weaving together the teachings for us this morning and so if you have a pen and paper, what I want you to do is to write these six threads or these six themes so you can track with me this morning. So the first thread is the length of service, the length of service. The second one is the identity of service. The third one is the humility of service. The fourth one is the power of service. And the fifth one is the object of service, And the sixth one is the mission of service. So don't worry if you missed those. We'll go over those again as we're tracking through the scriptures. So let's dive in to verse 1 of John chapter 13. So, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. So as we read this, we we see that Jesus is in the Passover time with his disciples. And so like I said before, it's the Thursday before the Friday. And so the disciples in some ways are scrambling to try to figure out, Jesus, give us the Cliff Notes version of what you were saying again. Help us to understand what is this kingdom that you are bringing. Help us to understand some of the nuances and the parables that you had told us before, before you leave, because you told us that you're leaving but in this context, Jesus is saying, hey, I want to teach you something. In this, in this meal, in this Passover meal, I want to teach you something of what it means to be a servant. And so we see interestingly before this, a couple chapters before in Matthew and Mark and Luke in in the Synoptic Gospels, we see that the disciples are actually fighting about who's the greatest, who's going to sit on the left, who's going to sit on the right, and who's actually going to be the greatest in God's kingdom. And so Jesus, knowing what's in his disciples' hearts, he knows the pride and the arrogance. And even for Judas, the conspiracy that's happening, he knows what's in their hearts. And he says, you know what, this night, this Thursday night, in the shadow of Good Friday, in the shadow of the abuse that is coming, I want to teach you disciples what it means to serve. So here's what Jesus says, having loved his own, or here's what the passage says, actually, having loved his own who are in the world, he loved them to the end. And so I want to plead with you this morning, uh, the first thread of Christian service is to love to the end. So in this time, Jesus is is experiencing a lot of emotional turmoil. I mean, his disciples are going to abandon him, he's going to go to the cross, but yet this is the plan that God had set before the foundations of the world. And so was Judas betraying him going to throw him off track? No. Was Satan's schemes to try to throw him off the plan that God had had for him? No. And so Jesus is going to love to the end. And so in this season, I know in this, in this season of quarantine, it's super difficult. It's, it's, it's super difficult to love our spouses or our kids to the end of the day, let alone the end of a conversation that's either heated or frustrating. Uh, but in this season of quarantine, Jesus asks us, would you love to the end? Love to the end of a conversation. Love to the end of the day. Love to the end of discipling your children. Love to the end of the end. And so as Jesus loves his church, this is the first thing I want to instill in us this morning. Will you love to the end? The second thread is the identity of service. We're going to find that in verses 2 and 3. During supper when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God. And so I want to highlight three things. Uh, The first one is that all things were given to Jesus. The second one is that Jesus had come from God. So the Father had sent him on a mission. And the third thing that I want to point out is that Jesus was going back to God. Or said another way, that all authority was given to Jesus. Meaning this time was not a time of like whimsical happenstance, but this authority was given to Jesus for this time. The second thing that I would like to point out is Jesus knew that his time was short. He was here on earth for 33 years. Three of those years were discipling and actually making disciples and actually commissioning and sending those out for the work that Jesus had for them. And the third thing is that he was going back to the Father. I think it's pretty interesting that those three points are actually very similar to us. That those who are in Christ actually are sent from God. That we're here for a short time and that eventually we will go back to God, the Father. And so... What does the identity of service look like? I think for many of us, the reason that we struggle to serve others is because we actually forget who we are in Christ. We're running from school to play dates, to photo shoots, to basketball, to gospel community, to the gym, to TV, and all those types of things. And you might be laughing at this point because I was laughing at myself actually writing this because it feels like two, three weeks ago is so long ago that we haven't even been doing that crazy life. And the the honesty is, is that God has slowed us down to the point where we actually are embracing each and every day. But the struggle that I think for me, and I I think for many of us, is that when we slow down, we actually get to see the people that we talk to. We actually get to see the the dimples and the freckles and and the parts of our kids or our spouses that we don't always see because we're going at light speed. But in this season of slowing down, uh, the struggle comes is that we actually get to see the, the pitfalls of our own character. We get to see maybe the things that we're chasing after that are leaving us empty. We're not distracted by sports or any, any of those types of things, but we're left wondering, who am I? If I'm not busy doing all those things, who am I? So how is it possible to have clarity in our lives when we feel like there's sickness and fear and craziness going on around us? It's, it's almost like we're standing in the middle of a tornado and if we stepped out we'd get swept up and if we stepped this way we'd get swept up and, and so fear and danger is all around us for many of us or that's maybe what we feel. Well, what, God's, what John's gospel actually teaches us is that Jesus wasn't uh, sidetracked or he wasn't confused by Judas' schemes or, or even Satan's plan or even the next day going to the cross and actually being crucified. Jesus wasn't thwarted by any of those distractions, if you will. But God had given him a plan. So God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit actually put a plan in place for the redemption of the world and this was the identity that Jesus walked in. In John 10, actually, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay my life down for the sheep. And I have other sheep that, I, that are not in my fold, and I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay my life down and that I might take it back up again. No one takes it from me. I lay it down on my own accord and I have the authority to lay it down and pick it back up again. This charge I received from my father. Jesus again says that I'm not distracted by 30 pieces of silver or by the Pharisee schemes. I am on track and I am on mission. My identity moves me in a direction. And so I want to encourage you, if you have been distracted by that next promotion, Or by what's going on in the world. Or if you've been distracted by the frustrations of this current time. I want to encourage you. Would you re-identify? Would you re-plant yourself in who Christ is? Jesus invites us as the good shepherd. Hear my voice. My sheep know my voice. And if you don't know Jesus' voice. We'll talk about that here in a few minutes. Voice. Thread number two is that we would have an identity that is built on Christ. A Christ-centered identity, meaning God gives us a new mind, He gives us a new heart, He gives us a new mission and a new identity. Now, do we fail? Absolutely. Do we struggle and get distracted? Absolutely. And I, I pray that this morning actually reminds you of what your mission and your identity truly is. To serve and be a servant like Jesus. We are a servant. The truth is, is that in Christ, we have been made new. We are are a servant by God's grace. And I pray that Christ's identity in and through his Holy Spirit, the power that he gives us, that we would live out of that identity instead of making a new identity. Of maybe serving or doing things so that other people notice. No, I pray that you would live out of that identity that Christ has given you. May you serve others well in this season of quarantine. Thread number three is the humility of service. Verse four and five, Jesus rose from supper and he laid aside his outer garment and taking a towel, he tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Now in this culture, if you were to walk into a room and there was dust on your feet, the typical role or the typical job of somebody who is a non-Jewish slave would be to wash the people's feet, to, to actually clean them before they came into the house. And so knowing what was in the disciples' hearts, Jesus says, you know what, you guys have been struggling with pride, you've been distracted, uh, you're even conspiring to kill me, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to take the place of a servant-like slave to serve you. So knowing what was in their hearts, Jesus humbled himself and served them. Every time I read this, it humbles me because knowing that Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and yet he humbles himself to serve his disciples and he serves us this morning as well. If we look to the beginning of John, we read that in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. If we go fast forward a little bit to Colossians chapter 1, we also know this about Jesus that in him all things were created and by him all things hold together. So can you believe it that this king who has made all things and by the voice of his mouth all things were made and hold together and yet he stoops to serve his disciples and he stoops to serve us this morning. The same Jesus that John is talking about is the same Jesus that is alive and well and at work in today's world. So if you are battling pride similar to the disciples or guilt or arrogance or shame or maybe you've conspired to do things that you're not really proud of this morning, would you come and be served by Jesus? You might be thinking, what's going on here? Why is Jesus serving them? Well, I want to ask you the question, have you let Jesus serve you in this way? Or have you been too proud or too haughty? Or have you even not even seen your need to be washed by Jesus? The same act that Jesus washes his disciples' feet is the same thing that he offers today. He humbly serves you this morning and this week in this time of Holy Week a Christian servant humbly serves. Thread number four is the power of service. We're going to look at that in verses 6 through 12. The power of service. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? mark. <laughs> Jesus answered him, What I am doing you don't understand now, but afterward you will understand. <laughs> Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus very graciously said, if I don't wash your feet, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said, Well, Lord, if you're gonna wash my feet, then wash my head and my hands, wash everything. And Jesus answers, The one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew that who knew was he knew who was to betray him, and that was why he said, Not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet, he put on his outer garment and resumed his place. And he said to them, do you understand what I have done for you? So we see this, Jesus humbly serving his people. And yet we see the power of Jesus in his interaction with Peter. And so I imagine myself, I put myself in that circumstances. Jesus is washing the 11 uh, disciples' feet and he it's my, I imagine it's a somber moment. Man, Jesus, the king of kings, my master, my teacher is washing my feet. And yet Jesus comes to Peter. I imagine him being the 12th one. I don't know for sure, but I imagine Jesus coming to the 12th one and Peter says, no, Jesus, nope, you're not going to wash my feet. And if I were standing there being the 11th one and and seeing Jesus and seeing this interchange, I'm like, how dare you, Peter? What makes you think that you're so proud or you know what's right to tell Jesus, our master, no, don't wash my feet. And so we see this this dialogue between Peter and Jesus taking place. And Jesus just gently walks with Peter in this season. So here are the three things Peter says. Jesus, are you going to wash my feet? Uh, Jesus, no way you're going to wash my feet. And number three, Jesus, if you're going to wash my feet, you need to wash everything. And Jesus' response to those is, hey, Peter, you don't understand what I'm doing, but eventually you will. Uh, Peter, you don't understand. If you don't let me wash you, you're not going to be my disciple. You're not going to be a part of my family. You're not part of my kingdom. And as as Peter hears that, he's like, oh, no, I don't want that. So if you're going to wash me, Jesus, wash everything. And, and Jesus, Jesus just gently just says, Peter, you still don't get it, man. You're already clean. I've already cleaned you. There's 11 of you that I have cleaned. There is one that is unclean. So let me clean you. Let me wash your feet because you're already clean. So what does Jesus mean by these statements? What I believe that Jesus is saying to Peter in this moment, at this time, on this Thursday night, is that unless Jesus takes away our sin, we have no part of Christ. We have no part of His kingdom. We have no share in His inheritance. Unless Jesus makes us clean, we will not be clean. Jesus actually differentiates. There's, there's 11 who are a part of His chosen people. And there is one that are a part of His chosen disciples but one who is not clean. Unless you allow me to clean you, Jesus says, you will not be clean. So it's not about the good things that we do. It's not about the religion. Peter, it's not even about being the most boastful or the the most vocal. Jesus says, until I clean you, you will never be clean on your own. The second point I believe Jesus is saying here and says to Peter and to us today is that We are only cleaned through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So that's a once and done circumstance. But after that, Jesus reminds his disciples and reminds us that Jesus, not only through that power of justifying work, the work done once and forever, the sin gone from eternity past to eternity future, Jesus continually again and again and again and again cleans us. That's the sanctifying work of our Savior. So Jesus washes his disciples' feet to show them that he doesn't just clean us and that we're left on our own effort. He actually cleans us and then he comes back and cleans us again and again and he sanctifies us to make us more and more and more and more like Jesus himself. This is the work of our Savior. So as Jesus cleans his disciples, he says, Hey, I'm coming again and again to clean you. The beauty of the gospel is that Jesus doesn't just clean us and leave us on our own. No, he comes again to save, to clean, to forgive, to save, to clean. 1 John 1, 9-10, it says, If we confess our sins, Jesus is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so as Jesus does that, He friends, as we go back to him time and time and time again, We confess our sins and again, time and time again, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and he continually cleans us from all of our unrighteousness. Now, when a person becomes a Christian, they don't automatically get their stuff together, right? So they're saved by Jesus, they're cleaned by Jesus, but they're continually needing some cleaning, right? So we are saved, but yet we still struggle with sin. Like the disciples, we struggle with pride and arrogance and frustration and those types of things. And this is the goodness of the gospel is that Jesus doesn't leave us, but he comes again and again. And so when he does that, he actually cleans us so that we might forgive and serve and clean. Forgive and serve and clean. Forgive and serve and clean clean those around us, those in our community, those in our neighborhood, those in our family, those in our workplace, those that we're at odds with. We can continue to serve and forgive because Jesus has continued to serve and forgive and wash us. The same power that Pastor Chris talked about a couple weeks ago is the same power that actually propels us to serve in this time. Jesus continues to serve us despite our constant failing and our struggles and our tripping up. He serves us and He forgives us. If you're listening this morning and you feel like you're an outsider, if you feel like you've not been invited to the table, I want to encourage you that it's okay to not be okay. Now, it's okay to not its not okay to stay there, but it's okay to not be okay. Because in your brokenness, in your struggle, actually God's power is made perfect. So Paul actually wrestles through this in, in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. He says, Lord, he's pleading with the Lord, take this from me. Take this, this pain, take this frustration from me. And here's what God says to him. He says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Friends, if you're weak this morning, the power of Christ is perfectly positioned for you. If you're weary this morning, come to the author of strength. For in this power that we stand, in this power of Jesus sending his spirit, compelling us, this is the power that we stand and we sing and we pray. This is the power that we actually go into our neighborhoods and we serve those. This is the same power that we continue to love one another and even love our enemies. This is the same power that we disciple our kids. And this is the same power that we love our enemies in the same way that Jesus loved his enemy, Judas. It's in this power that we serve one another. And our power comes from Christ, compelled by his Holy Spirit. That is the power of service. Thread number five is the object of service. We're going to read 13 through 19. You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If then your Lord and your teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should just do just as I have done for you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is no greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. I am not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but the scriptures will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. Speaking of Judas here. I'm telling you this now before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe that I am he. And so we see in this verse that those who know what it means to serve and actually do it. Blessed are you. Jesus loved his 12 disciples, but there were 11 who would serve him and actually exhibit the characteristics of Christ. They would actually see the object of Christ as the one that they serve, but there was one rogue disciple. His name was Judas. And yet Jesus continued to serve Judas to the end. I mean, Judas is the one who has taken care of the money. He was the one that actually saw Jesus raise people from the dead, give people sight, and actually give people new life. Help them get up when they were crippled. Jesus, even in the moments before Judas would leave and run and betray him, washed his feet. And so I want to ask you this morning, is there somebody in your life like Judas? Is there somebody that you are struggling to serve? Because here's what Jesus asks us. Not only does he ask us to serve those who we love and that we love to be around, but he's also asking us to serve those who have hurt us, who have brought pain into our life. Could you love that person the same way that you love the person who would run to you at a moment's notice in your time of need, who has come to you and helped you paint your house or watch your kids and those types of things? Would you love them the same way I think it would be difficult, but could we? And here's what Jesus does. He loves and serves to the end. What's the difference between a person who serves and a a Christian who actually loves and serves in the power of Christ? I would argue that the difference is, is that a Christian can love both friend and foe, genuinely. I would argue that in, in Ephesians actually 2, that it says that we were enemies of God. And as we were enemies of God, Jesus loved us in that moment. Not only does he love us when we are enemies, but he loves us as a friend. So as Jesus transforms our hearts and our minds and our bodies, we become like Christ. Friends, we serve both friend and foe because Jesus did. Not just because Jesus bid, but he gives us the power to do so in and through his spirit. My family and I have been building some Legos recently. And so we've been kind of captivated by uh, either building some random structures or we've been uh, building uh, some things with uh, the plans that that, uh, that actually come with the Lego box. And so what I find is that it's fun to build those things that are abstract and abnormal, but it's also fun to build the things that actually built our building with the plans. And the truth is, is that the object of our service is like that. Is when we actually build with the plans that God has for us, we actually get to see the structure and the thing that God has for us. And that's where we find our identity. That's where we actually find that the object of our faith, the object of our service is Christ. As we see Him for who He is, we can actually see the direction and the plans that He has for us, and we see Him. If the object of our, of our service is anything other than that, we, we get jaded, we get frustrated. If, if we try to serve somebody so that they would please uh, praise us or serve us or those types of things, we become, we become disenfranchised, right? But if the object of our service is Jesus, He will never fail us, and He's the one that gives us the power to do so. So the last thread that we, I want to finish with this morning is the mission of service. Verse 20, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. And so here's what we see, that God the Father sends Jesus, and Jesus sends his church, his people. And if you're wrestling with that this morning, if you're wrestling with Jesus being your king, I want to encourage you that Jesus left heaven and became low. And not only did he become low, but he actually stoops down to wash his disciples' feet. And he invites you in this morning to wash your feet. The same father who sent his son into the world then sends his church into the world. He says, I love you. I want to send you out to love and forgive others in the same way that I have loved and forgave you. Jesus invites us into this this morning. He invites us into that broken family, but yet redeemed family of forgiven saints. I want to invite you into that this morning. Would you allow God to cleanse you? And not just cleanse you once and for all, but to cleanse you each and every day to make you whole. Jesus serves his disciples and they find life and happiness and joy in him. Christian service looks like other service. But the difference is, is that our service is rooted and founded in Jesus Christ himself. Mark chapter 10, verse 45, it says, For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. The church is a place for people to come and find healing in brokenness. The church is a place where the, G- the mission of Jesus Christ is alive and well. And friends, the good news is, is that the gates of hell will not And do not prevail in this season. The mission of God is the mission of the church. And I want to invite you into that for the glory of God and the good of all people. A Christian servant is compelled to serve because they know that the mission is Jesus' mission given by God the Father. Let's pray. Father, this morning I am so thankful. I'm so thankful that Jesus, you didn't just give lip service to a life Uh, that you wanted us to follow, but you actually live that life so that we might be whole, that we might have everlasting life. And I pray that as, as we hear these words this morning, not only have we been served by you, but that we would serve others in this season of quarantine. Help us to love you by your grace and by your power. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you all as you go and serve one another this week.